0: about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Today, roughly 42 million unpaid caregivers care for older loved ones in the United States. By 2050, Older adults will represent over 20% of the population. How are we going to care for all of them? Join me, Sujin Park, the host of Uncared For, as I turn the spotlight on the emotional highs and lows of elder care in Season 2. Through intimate conversations with family caregivers, we'll explore what it takes to ensure our loved ones can age with dignity. Uncared For from Lemonada Media and the Commonwealth Fund is out on May 15th, wherever you get
2: your podcasts. Lemonada. Hey everyone, this is Mohamed al sheikhi and this is I'm Sorry, a podcast about Apologies. And this week I uh, started trying to cook for myself and let me tell you I used to hate cooking and I thought it sucked and now I've done it for a week and uh, I was right it's bad (laughs) I don't like it it's it's such a waste of time and I hate it my
3: name is Oha Lopez and I have been watching people disprove that dogs are vegetarians online over and over again this week. There's been a slew of videos of women pretending that their dogs are vegetarian, and then when tested, guess what? They always go for the ham sandwich.
0: And I'm Kiki Monique, and I officially have a bagel tattoo permanently inked on my body and I'm okay with it It's actually super cute I really like it actually It's very cute
2: Yeah mm-hmm. I tried to do like a I, I was gonna do like a transition From the bagels To uh, our topic for the day And literally could not That's connect a hard it. pivot <laughs> It's a hard yeah. one yeah. Yeah. yeah Speaking of bagels <laughs>
3: <laughs> You ever been uh, in an MLM? You ever joined a <laughs> A bagel a pyramid MLM? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh god I would join I mean I might join that one So we're talking, I mean, I think we've all seen Lulu Rich now and it it follows the story of LuLaRoe, which is probably, I mean, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, multi-level marketing MLM companies that has existed in this country. It started in like 2012 and it became like a billion dollar company in a short few years. And it was really fueled... By them, the, you know, the the founders, Deanne and Mark Stinnham, you know, married couple. They have like 15 children, some of that are theirs, some that are not theirs. You know, they were both married before, they were divorced, you know, they combined. It was like <laughs> Brady People Bunch on steroids, right? Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely think like Deanne and her husband give major sort of like you know my beach house is decorated with anchors vibe like they have a very like specific aesthetic and when i look like even just you know as i was learning about the documentary and and themselves as people yeah like one i think they are radically interesting like the fact that they have like 15 children that some of them are biological that many of them are adopted like what was y'all's impression when you were kind of just hearing about them as people?
2: I, you know, the, so, you know, they were talking about themselves. They were talking about the kids. And obviously the one line that caught my attention is when they talked about how two of their kids who were adopted are married now. <laughs> you and, each other. Yeah. Okay. I remember this. They followed up with, so within our 15 kids, only two are married. And I'm like, only two are married <laughs> do you think this is good like what is the only part this is doing so much of the heavy lifting here uh, yeah so and you, we
3: all know the cause of this right we all know that it's because of the rise of stepbrother and stepsister pornography oh, on the <laughs> We all know they they were out on the town. These Mormon kids were watching a ton of porn in on their little cell phones. Yeah, and they were like, "Hey, I got my very own stepbrother situation here." Yeah, I. You know what? You got. I was like, I hope they're happy. I'm glad they found each other. <laughs>
0: I mean, okay, that part astonished me. But, like, what astonished me even more was, like, you know, of course, like, after the documentary, I want to read more and more about these people. It was more insane to me that, so Deanne, her father was the great-grandson of Hiram Smith, who is the older brother of the Mormon church's founder and prophet, Joseph Smith. I mean, that is a major i mean i'm not mormon but even i know who the prophet joseph smith is because it's the founder of the mormon the fact that her father is the great grandson i mean that's wild yeah so they start this company and really they identified a hole i would say they identified a hole in the market of these stay-at-home moms who really want to be able to look it's like feel good about themselves it's like this sort of like pop feminism like you can be a boss too if you just do this and um you know because these women some of you know many of them probably have degrees that they're not using or you know Mm -hmm. just want to feel empowered in some way and lulu row offered them this opportunity to do that you know so you know deanne starts this company really just by having these dress parties, um, you know, she had been she really actually found sort of it was like a children's dresses at like a, a swap meet. And they were these dresses that were being sold in stores for, she said, hundreds of dollars. But she's found them for 10 bucks. So she bought a bunch of them. And people were like, wow, she sold. She made all this money from just these children's dresses. And then it, you know, evolved into her daughter needing, um, you know, her, can you sew me a skirt? She did that. And her friends were like, this skirt's so cute. So now she starts having, you know, dress parties for older women and like buying these dresses. And it really just really grew organically. Yeah. Which again, that's that's the American dream. It's everything seems kosher. I, I I'm loving this story so far. Nothing's going wrong. But then as people see how cool this stuff is, um, and they're really, again, addressing this this market, people are like, well, I, I'm staying at home. I want to be a part of this. How can I also sell your clothes? And now they realize, wow, cha-ching, there are hundreds, thousands of women who are going to be willing to basically become our soldiers, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be willing to sell our clothes. And all we got to do is provide it to them for the low, low price of $10,000 buy-in.
2: Also, you don't even get the product immediately. You have to wait for it. You have to wait (laughs) for it for a while to join the company.
0: I mean, that was the wildest story in the documentary. I mean, in addition to the... Wait list of women who were clamoring to be a consultant because it's not like you could just say, I want to be a consultant. You have to be put on a waiting list to pay someone $10,000, which is like, I've never been on a waiting list for to pay someone that much money. But you have to be on this waiting list, and then the woman who was telling the story about how she was camping, she had no service. She's all the way up in in the mountains. She kept going down to get service because she was tracking her box that she had bought. And the minute it said delivered, she packed her family up and got the fuck off the mountain. It was like we gotta go home right now. Mama's gotta sell her beads. <laughs> and, oh, <God.
2: laughs> that was that was that was insane. That was an insane story. But I think also yeah. what was insane is like them like the uh, company founders uh, they were telling people how they can you know collect their startup costs like 4000 10000 and one of the advisors was like you know you can sell your breast milk to buy into the company <laughs> and yeah. i don't know like if Nike, for example, uh, started saying that, everyone be like, that is insane.
0: That's insane. I meant to look up too, and I forgot to do this. Did you? any of you look up how much breast milk goes for online? Because I knew there was a market for, you know, because obviously there's women who want to be able to breastfeed their children. And, you know, it's not always an easy process as like tv makes it look like you just pop out a kid and like oh breast it's not that easy so some women do yeah legitimately go to this um and so i was just wondering how much you can sell breast milk for and how much breast milk would have to be sold in order for you to have a ten thousand dollar buy-in
2: it's it's insane i wonder if like they uh There are like some other like ways they've mentioned that they didn't mention in the documentary where like they send them a whole list of like body organs. If you really believe in this company, you don't need two kidneys. You only need need both
3: corneas. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, it's really interesting. I was just looking this up, by the way, and it says that the average price for... Breast milk is uh, I see different things, but anywhere from two to two fifty per ounce on average. But that the number can be higher mm. in certain cases oh, wow. uh, that also okay. states that if you're able to produce twenty five ounces of milk per day, you can make about twenty three thousand dollars a year by wow. just selling your milk. So,
0: wow, wow, wow. I mean, the fact that this is their, you know, their first go to 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 make money is Amazing, but it also speaks to they know who their demo is. Like, they're like, we have these stay at home moms and they want to be in a company, and you know what they have available? They got that good old yeah. titty milk. It almost, so. it
3: almost doesn't feel like it's enough, though. Do you guys feel I like when I saw that, I was like, it feels like it should be more money.
0: Oh, I mean, I don't know. That's $250 for an ounce. I mean, that's the mayor price. I said $2.50 is what I said. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, OK. All right. All right. All right. Two fifty. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. When you said, OK, so that's how much I think it's worth, because when you said 250, I was like, OK, <laughs> cool, because, yeah, that's how much you should be getting. for the, the, good, the good. You were like, hell this yeah, that's, sh- milk. that's gold two dollars and fifty cents oh hell no like what is it how long do you have to be pumped oh to make ten thousand dollars can we do some i know i'm always making you do division (laughs) (laughs) i'm like why is kiki
3: forcing me to do math on this freaking podcast i quit (laughs) oh my god
2: it's 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 yeah it's insane you know like they i feel like they've heard the term like milk you out of your savings (laughs) or whatever and they're like we'll do it literally you know we'll just we'll just go for it oh my
0: god so they basically offer, they set up this MLM structure where you buy yeah. into LuLaRoe from anywhere from four to $10,000. You don't know what pieces you're getting um, because, you know, that's all a gamble. But you get these pieces, you set up shop, and it starts out as kind of throwing dress parties that, you know, you're filling your, these dresses into Tupperware. You're taking them to people's houses setting them up there, (laughs) selling them. And then it eventually evolved into, oh, well, social media is here. We can evolve to online so we can do these Facebook live parties. And that's where it really start growing. But I think where they all went wrong is like, have either of you ever seen that movie? um, It follows. It's like a horror movie. It's, it's basically this movie where uh, a entity has like cursed this person Mm -hmm. and the only way you can get rid of the curse off of you is if you sleep with another person and then that person is then cursed and so you get away and then Mm -hmm. that person then in order to get rid of the curse has to sleep with another person and so the more people that sleep with people the further the curse gets away from you (laughs) but if it ever catches up to that last person, well, then that's one person in the chain and it'll never leave you. It just gets further and further away. I feel like that's how we would describe LuLaRoe because really, if you were one of the first people in, you're good, but you have to infect all of these people underneath you and they have to keep infecting people below them. And like, in a way you were probably started off as the victim, but now you're the predator, right? And so it's an interesting dichotomy there.
2: It's a cycle. Absolutely. Yeah, like we said, they have to invite their own network in. And their network is, you know, their friends, their close friends, their families. And, you know, they're kind of fucking them up, even intentionally or not intentionally, you know. But they know the risk. But I feel like part of it is also, you know, they think that they're helping them. They think they're like actually like making the money and all of that but like you said you have to you have to give the curse to someone in order for you to be free
3: i will say i do feel like i've had at least have maybe like 6 or 7 messages on my inbox with, like, the words like, hey, hon, um, I know I haven't spoken to you since I was um, 12 years old. And I'm, you know, so sad to see that your aunt has passed away. But anyways, um, would you like to buy some of these, like, fancy lavender oils? <laughs> They're That's,
0: great for stress. <laughs> I'm really surprised because, you know, MLMs, I'm realizing how big they are after watching, Rich. But I'll fully admit that like it was just this thing that I had heard about because as a black woman, I just don't think I'm their targeted demographic. And so you as a woman of color, OHA, I'm actually surprised you have so many messages because I don't think anybody has ever messaged me to join an MLM. I
3: collect white friends because i think they're exotic looking okay like this is the i know all of them um so i i am also surprised you haven't received them out of the blue because you don't really have to be friends with a lot of people for mlm to touch you you know for somebody to reach out
2: so i guess i guess like why so why is it considered legal because you know like they are like multi-level marketing mlms and then there is a pyramid scheme and you know like pyramid schemes as we all know it's it's illegal it's not you know you you can't do it by law but mlms are and i'm still kinda of, kinda of confused about like what what makes what legal and what you know makes it illegal
0: i mean technically you are providing a product Mm -hmm. to you know the people who buy in and technically they could sell it to other people and make money on it so that's really the only difference because with the pyramid scheme you might be paying money but then there's actually no product at the end of it but these people are getting product but the realization is they're in order to stay within this pyramid, they have to keep buying a set number of products. You know, with the way the Lulu Row sort of pyramid, or won't call it a pyramid, their their rankings worked. is like, okay, you come in as the sponsor, right? And then in order to make trainer, you have to have 10 people below you. And then in order to move up, you know, above trainer to coach, you have to have three trainers underneath you. And in order to move up to mentor, you have to have three yeah. coaches. And all of these people have to be purchasing, you know, X amount. It's like your whole team has to be purchasing at least 175 pieces when you're a trainer. Your whole team has to be buying 1,750 pieces when you're a coach. And so the only way you can do that is if the people underneath you are buying all this and shoving it in their garage. And whether it ever gets actually sold, they don't care. Just we know that you have to hit these goals.
2: Uh, Yeah, so speaking of trainers, uh, we reached out to someone who was involved in Lula Row and has appeared on the documentary Lula Rich on Amazon. And uh, that person is uh, Lauren Covey Carson. And we're going to talk to her after the break. From BBC Radio 4.
3: Do you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere and suddenly you're panic sweating and laughing at the same time? Don't, don't worry, don't worry. We all get that. It's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people. And we want to talk about it. Join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and
0: Sophie on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrushed are out now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to I'm Sorry. We're so happy to have uh, Lauren Covey Carson here, who was in the Lulu Rich documentary. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here with you guys. I think that the whole, it feels like the whole world to me in the last couple of weeks is... Absorbed in Lululemon, and you know, for people who haven't watched it yet, um, you know, you were a Row, You became a trainer. Can you talk to us about how you got into it um, and that sort of thing? Yeah, I have always been in
1: retail or store management. Like I've always been in kind of like the business, quote unquote.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then once I I had kids and was like one of the, you know, I was like, Oh, I want to be at home with my kids. And this gal was like, Oh my gosh, there's this company. And it's not like one of those kind of companies. Meaning like you have the product at your house. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have a store within your house and you sell it to, you know, people that want it, which is super sought after. And it's like easy peasy. Like You've got the product. You've got the kids. It's not like you have to do all, spend all this time on the computer. Just you know, you've got a lot of time. Like you're, it's gonna free up time if anything, and you're gonna yeah. have, make money. Okay, so so July, I had my son. This was July of 2015. Mm-hmm. I really at that point. So this was my second child. I was like, okay. I have, and I, and I'm all about like independent woman. Gonna have my own money. My husband's not gonna be taking, you know. I'm not gonna ask him yeah. for, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean. Like I'm not. He's not gonna pay for a pedicure, a manicure. Like I'm gonna do me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in October, I got my inventory, and I actually in the beginning was like, I didn't think. I know it does sound crazy, like ten thousand dollars. Like that's a ton, a shit ton of money for. That's a, how much you paid to buy in for your first kit, ten thousand. Correct. Which is mm-hmm. a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But when you think about it, when it's like you are getting the inventory, you own it. Okay. It's in, it's coming to you. You are now owning a business quote, like essentially a storefront or this is okay. This is all like, I'm selling you guys all so <laughs> right? Okay.
0: Is this like, recruitment? Yeah,
1: I'm yeah, selling it. This is, this is the pitch. This is the pitch. Lauren,
3: I think the most I've ever spent is like $1,200 on a MacBook Pro. And when I handed over that money, I was like, oh my God, I don't know why I purchased anything. <laughs> I'm more of a spend in very small amounts. So if you say the amount $10,000, you're blowing my mind.
2: Yeah, so
1: okay, but if you think about it, okay, so you're let's just say you're like, okay, for $1,200, like my Mac Pro, but that is going to now turn into it potentially could turn into like $2,400 because you can make a business out of that, you can create a band on that, you can create, I mean, really, and this is kind of where the manipulation starts, right? Okay, it's like that slow thing of like, well, this is now on you, you, mm. you are in charge now of what happens with this investment that you just made. And I just sold you this dream on it. It's now on you. You can do whatever you want. You can make a million dollars. You could make
0: $5,000. You could make like whatever that looks like. Which for someone coming into this business, it feels empowering. You're like, I can make as little or as much as I want. It's all about what I put into it, Exactly. And it's on you and it's woman
1: power. And it's, I mean... If I'm jumping too far ahead, it's just like it literally is like entering an v- extremely like abusive relationship where you're just like, oh, yeah, he's taking me out to the funnest restaurant or whatever it is. I'm getting wined and dined. I'm getting told like all the things. And you believe it because you also really want it.
2: Yeah. yeah. How, how long were you in the company? Like Like the whole like... Three years. Three years. And which level did you get to?
1: I just had hit coach when
3: I left. Mm. Oh, wow. When did the pieces sort of start making sense for you that it wasn't kind of like as legitimate or as exciting as you maybe initially
1: thought? I mean, I think from kind of even like a few months in, I was like, what is this? Like, what is actually going on? Yeah. How are they making money? How are we making money? Okay, I get that I'm making these checks. But also like, It is it is really hard to explain because it's not just like, oh, it went like one day it went from just being like this normal kind of company that you were in. Because there are so many companies like that, right? Yeah. Where all of a sudden, I will say that it was just kind of like when they restructured to where your bonus checks were based on sales, not orders from the warehouse. That's when kind of everything kind of changed where your mindset just kind of went to oh, this is benefiting them, not us.
3: Has there been like a lot of gossip? Did you feel like there was like a moment where everybody was just sort of talking about the negative stuff leading up to the documentary? Like, what have you seen from your friends and what have they been saying?
1: Well, so what's so interesting is that I actually like told nobody about it. Um, I was really kind of actually ashamed about it. I've gotten so many messages from people that were like, whoa, like, whoa. I mean, I was, like, really ashamed because, I mean, for so many reasons. One, it's, like, embarrassing, like, in a way. Like, Mm -hmm. you feel like you got duped. Yeah. Like, I, like, what? Like, no way, you know? And then, um, you know, there was, like, a lot of negativity around LuLaRoe, but also, it, it took me personally, just me, to a place where I was, like, I did this to myself, Mm. because no one held a gun to my head
0: i mean i know you you mentioned earlier how it felt like in abusive relationships and all these words you're saying are like what people in abusive relationships yes it was my fault wow
1: like no because no one held a gun to my head and said you have to buy this inventory yeah you have to be in this company
3: but they did like curate something that really identified with your life. It knew everything to say in order to get you to buy into it. Exactly, and it basically like lured you and set a trap for you, you know. And so, yeah. there is something really disingenuous about the way that they approach it, and then also the hypocrisy and not uh, admitting that there's something fishy about the process.
1: Absolutely.
0: Do you um, still have a bunch of inventory like in your house? Oh, do you have to look at it every day? I mean, I would be like, oh, it's like when an, like an ex-boyfriend leaves and you yeah. have to look at his stupid shoes or shirts. Right? You're like, just, just get rid of
1: that. I have it um, in the garage and I need to just get rid of it. I need to donate
0: it. I heard there's some thrift stores that are just like, no LuLaRoe. Like they're so overwhelmed. They won't even totally. take it.
1: <laughs> but I had this one lady message me and then I, but then, you know, then I was like, well, scared at the same time. Cause she messaged me and she's like, Hey, um, I like want to help people out who have like lost out on LulaRoe, like I can meet you and like buy inventory and blah 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 and I was like
0: Interesting. Yeah, I think I'm
1: good having people come <laughs> to my yeah. house and like I'm you know I guess the biggest thing was that, you know, they should have just done the buyback. I mean they should have stuck to their word, which was like buyback yeah. inventory, especially since we didn't have a say in anything. There was no say.
0: Uh LuluRoe was charged only in Washington State. As operating as an a uh, alleged illegal pyramid scheme, which they ended up settling. Would you, if you were to say, like, do you consider Lulu Row a pyramid scheme?
1: I mean, yeah, I get. I mean, I don't. I guess my question has has been, too, since watching the documentary. Like, what sets them apart? And I keep rewatching the part with the lawyer when it breaks down. Like, what makes them different from all of these other, like, because I know so many people that do like Young Living or like. Do like all these different yeah. things where I'm like it's the same it's the exact same thing. so I guess then to me, I'm like, well, it all is if you're making one dollar off anybody that you're signing up if they're not signing up because they want to be selling mm-hmm. your product, yeah, then it's a pyramid scheme in my opinion. if I want to sell Mary Kay then I should just be able to call Mary Kay and be like, I want to sell your stuff
2: yeah, absolutely.
1: Why do I need to call somebody else to sign me up that and then they're getting paid off me?
3: yeah I think it's something like for the majority of mlms or or and pyramid schemes is both is that there's only a certain amount of people who make money. so it's only like the first one to three percent of people who sign up for the scheme that end up actually making money, whereas seventy to eighty percent of people make zero dollars, like actually zero dollars and only spend and so or
0: negative, yes, exactly. Yeah. So, Lauren, this show, it's called I'm Sorry, it's about apologies. So, in your view, does Lulu Ro need to apologize for what they've done? Yes,
1: I think that there needs to be a huge apology. And I would say more so to – I mean, I think it's such a trickle-down again factor. But, yes, I do think there's a huge apology because I think that everybody started this just like everybody gets – a job for, you know, a reason. We want to contribute in some sort of way whether that's to your family, yourself, your animals, your volunteering, whatever you do, whatever you're set out to do. I think that um, everyone does that with intention. And I think that when the intention has been, you've been misled or um, there's just not been honesty there, I think that there
0: absolutely needs to be an apology. One more question before we go. Yeah. Um Do you think seeing the documentary will get Road to change their ways? No, I think they're so, I think they're so,
1: uh, I don't even know that word. Like they're so not stubborn, but no, they, they believe in their truth that they believe what they and, and okay then. Wow. But I think that it's up to other people to really listen to their truth. And when you, Know that something's not right, or and something's not right. Like, do do better. When you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. yeah. I for one, I'm really grateful that you were on the the documentary, and I don't think that you should be embarrassed or feel bad about it at all. Because I think there's probably a lot of people that have like. A small seed of doubt inside themselves on whether or not um, it's the right thing to do, and whether or not they should buy into the 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 company. And I think you'll be really helpful in dissuading them from going a route where there's so much risk that they have to take on, while the company takes on none of the risk. And so, mm-hmm. I-, I think that it's I think that it's awesome that you were
1: in it and. Um, Agree. Yeah, I'm grateful to have seen you there. Oh, I really, actually, I really, really, really do appreciate hearing that. I think yeah. if anything, you know, good that's come out of it, it's just, is, is that. So I, I really appreciate hearing that. Thank you. Hi, I'm June Diane Raphael. And I'm Jessica St. Clair. And each week, we are sitting down to talk all about life's twists, turns, and absurdities on The Deep Dive. From exploring the depths of TikTok, which is our only news source, to navigating the complexities of grief and loss, we are just two best friends behind a mic processing life together. This podcast is all about finding the silver linings in the madness. So get ready for unfiltered conversations about motherhood, careers, pop culture, and everything in between. Here at The Deep Dive, we're all about community. We believe in the power of sharing experiences and the strength that comes from supporting one another. And we would love to have you with us. So be sure to join us every Wednesday on The Deep Dive from Lemonata Media, wherever you get your podcasts. Wiser Than Me Season Two is out now from Lemonada Media.
3: So that was so interesting. I'm so grateful she decided to come on the show. I feel like just in dissecting some of the things that she said, and like how she really does feel like they need to apologize. Uh, there does seem to be this sort of feeling with this company in particular where they're just really not going to it's it's not in their best sort yeah. of like uh financial interest to it's in their best interest to just kind of blindly continue on pretending as if there's nothing wrong yeah, which states a whole new kind of dilemma which is like how do people heal and recover from situations where you're just never really going to get an apology like that is just not coming
2: absolutely Um, yeah i mean it's hard to feel like that you have been fooled you know like someone that got to your brain and just like you know played around with you so there's like this pride where you're like you know you don't you don't want to talk about it there's the shame involved and, and and lauren talked about that a bit but I think at the end of the day, it's like, there's no shame in it, you know? Like, this can happen to anyone. And they really tapped in into this whole, like, not just American dream, but, like, we just happen to live in a country where, for in order for you to feel useful, you have to provide and you have to be part of the economy. And if you are a stay-at-home mom, they're basically telling you, like, you're not bringing any money to the table. Yes, you're raising the kids and you're doing so much, but no money's involved here. So to us, you're useless and we have a way to make you useful, to make you like the person you want to be. So, I mean, that's how they usually get to them. And it's, it's, it's fucked up, obviously. I mean,
0: I hate to sound jaded, but I think I'm so used to being disappointed by the system that like this, again, that's why I'm I'm not their demographic because I would have been like, absolutely, I'm not paying you to make money. This doesn't even make sense from the jump.
2: Yeah, but that's all of us, right? You know, like, even yeah. even us who are not involved in these, like, MLMs or pyramid schemes, we, we feel like we have to be doing something all the time, which is why, I'm, I mean, personally, like, sometimes I feel like I can't even rest on my days off because I am I feel like I have to be doing something. I have to be productive. I'm just, like, told that, like, you know, I have to keep working. And you know, when you feel that all the time, this is like becomes your whole life. You know, you want to change it. And LuLaRoe was was that savior, you know, yeah,
3: they're definitely like that's definitely one of the ways in which they're manipulative and predatory, which takes me to the fact of like they took advantage of you. And part of being taken advantage of is feeling at a loss, not just obviously monetarily like these people were, but in the way that you felt disrespected with no solution to that. And um, I think healing from something that you're never going to get vindication from, that you don't get justice from, that you don't have somebody on the other end saying like, I made a mistake is actually a pretty bitter pill that you have to swallow. And uh, something mm-hmm. that I admire about, you know, her is that she comes on the show and she's like, I'm, I'm going to move on. And moving on without an apology can be very difficult. Yeah. Um. I know I've, personally been in situations where you know after many years of therapy and many years of somebody telling me like hey like you don't need this other person to say sorry you don't need that other person to acknowledge what they have done for you to be able to acknowledge that you felt some kind of way about it but it is a it's definitely a harder process because apologies do offer some closure and they offer a okay we both understood what what actually happened but not in this case
2: well i mean yeah no i agree and i mean like i guess when it comes to apologies and forgiveness and all of that you know if it's not the people around you if it's not you're not getting an apology from the top the only person that is left for you to forgive is really yourself at this point you know you you just can't keep being upset at yourself and i know it's upsetting and i know it sucks uh, and i know you like lost money but at the end of the day, you know, it it really happens to the best of us. <laughs> and I, it, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's the part that made me the most sad about um the doc and you know even when yeah. we're talking to Lauren is that the shame these women felt, you know, whether it's, you know, the woman, I think Courtney who, you know, purchased two vehicles and purchased her, you know, $40,000, you know, Louis Vuitton bag, um, you know, getting surgeries to lose weight because that's, you know, the, you know, the Tijuana skinny, you know, chat that was happening that was encouraged supposedly by the top and just them feeling so shameful, but it's like, no, give yourself some grace. Be kind to yourself because we've all fallen for something at some point in our life. It's just, That's why they're at the top. They're good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And if it makes you feel any better, I once paid for a uh, to perform at an open mic, you know? Uh, (laughs) How much? Like $5. And I still think about them to this day. Yeah. Uh, Those are your $5, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) It it, it really hurt. But, you know, at the end of the day, I chose to forgive myself and I moved Um, on.
3: Yeah. I mean, all in all, looking at LuLaRoe specifically, it's like, I think it's like 50 lawsuits in they abruptly like stopped their buyback policy because they're like claiming that the retailers are abusing it. They're still waiting for their money back. Like overall, I think it is such a black and white issue that people should not feel ashamed. Like they were fully taken advantage of. It's not just you being unable to sell. It's an actual institution that is like, um that has defective legging issues that has issues in terms of like the material that can't sustain their own growth and they're just trying to pass on the blame onto the people who are trying really really hard to make something happen for themselves and i think that's the saddest part you know when you look at all the the things that they've done in terms of like the the mcdyer lawsuit and the copyright infringement like it just becomes hopefully in their minds like clearer and clearer that from the very first moment they were dealing with a disingenuous company and that it wasn't necessarily them not being able to sell things you know yeah
2: Yeah. and one last thing i'll say there's also one more person who deserves an apology is uh mario lopez (laughs) uh because they invited him in. And it, then in the documentary, they were like, yeah, man, we got him in. You know, he was under budget. It was like, we literally saved a lot of money just by getting him. It it didn't cost us much. And if I was Mario Lopez watching that, I literally would not leave <laughs> my home ever again. So, hey, Mario Lopez, uh, forgive yourself. Yeah, they I guess, definitely he's uh, or an apology.
0: And they didn't just say under budget. They they emphasized way under yeah. budget.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were like, This man was is here for drink tickets, he does not care. (laughs) Yeah, he will do anything for money. Oh my and company.
3: god! Oh, AC Slater. <laughs> yeah, I'm
2: sorry, Mari Lopez. I
3: also want to invite everyone to go uh, read the reviews on Amazon Prime Movies for this documentary. They are riddled with just the most exciting ideas about why this documentary is sucks. You got to go read the one star reviews. Wait, what? Like what? I did not do this. Did you what? not? Okay. What does it say? So. <laughs> So I went in because like you can rate any show. So I, of course, looked at the Mm -hmm. one star ones because which other ones even really matter? (laughs) Um, So first of all, there's 231 global ratings. So 231 people actually um, rated it. And this one is my favorite because it's the most amount of people found it useful Being 116 people were like, yeah, this is exactly (laughs) this is exactly what I thought about the show, too. Um, So she goes, is this show being financed from suing parties versus LuLaRoe? So right off the bat, she's on Conspiracy Theory Watch. (laughs) She's like, who funded this movie? Um, And then it says, how come these women making six figures spent everything on luxury items and then blame the company they work for? And then she goes on to list one, two, three, four, five, six, six, uh, five different things that are
0: incorrect about the the <laughs> specific uh... um, you should reply to that comment and say hi Deanne Cause that sounds like it's coming from Deanne and Mark Stidham directly.
2: <laughs> oh, ab- absolutely. No, the, no. At the very
3: end, it says disclaimer: I'm not associated with this company nor anyone. <laughs> this is ironic. It's her. It's Deanne. Disclaimer: I'm not associated with this company nor anyone from these parties. My two cents comes from over twenty years of experience in marketing and management
0: <laughs> and running MLMs. <laughs> that is it. <laughs>
3: Let's go look up Deanne. She started exactly 20 years ago.
0: Yeah. And now, time for Sorry Not Sorry. This week, California drivers owe me an apology. I've driven in a lot of states, in a lot of places, with a lot of highways. And I will say that Californians are the worst drivers I have ever encountered in my life. And for that, they owe me an apology because... I'm scared I'm going to die on these roads.
2: No, I agree. I never drive there. It sucks. And yeah, I don't like it. I hate it. <laughs> I, mean, I, I thought what I had to say about California drivers was going to be more interesting. But uh, <laughs> hey, that's that's what came out.
3: I would like to ask for an apology humbly from unfamiliar allergens because I'm, I'm a swell bitch. I'm swollen, honey. I did something out in the world that has caused me to actively look like a chipmunk. And both of my cheeks are so swollen. Oh, um, but you're so adorable. Oh, thank you so much. I do. I look fully like Cupid. Like I'm about to shoot you in your face and you're going to fall in love. I think that's how Cupid works. And
2: you just came back from Mexico, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you're allergic to the States? That's what yeah. I think. Okay,
3: that was your theory. And honestly, mm-hmm. I really appreciate that because I don't currently have insurance. And I think my body was like, you know what, <laughs> fuck it. Let's stick it to her. <laughs> Let's do something crazy. She needs to feel alive right now, even if it's through pain. So, um, yeah, I would like for the U.S. of America, the known allergen, to apologize to
2: me. <laughs> A person who owes me an apology this week. Uh, she's in the next room so I'm just going to say it out loud. Uh, my girlfriend owes me an apology because earlier today uh, I had a tweet that was shared on the uh, Instagram story of Sharon Stone. You know? Ooh. Yeah, I know. She's you know She's been on TV for, for a while. Big, big
3: <laughs> a star. Oh yeah, I love her.
2: You've heard of her? And I was so excited so I showed her the Instagram story and uh, she said, who is Sharon Stone?
3: Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Blasphemy. Yeah,
2: so not only she wasn't excited, she was like, you know, she, she made me feel She doesn't know the old. Stone
3: family, the <laughs> <Yeah>. Stone heiress, <laughs> the youngest Stone.
2: Yeah, Cold Stone Steve Austin in the family yeah. as well. the
3: family Stone. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah.
2: yeah, and I'm like, hey, you're like, you know, 26. You're not really that younger than me. Uh, you have no right. So you know I love her but what I, a flex uh,
3: she did on you
2: I know I know she, she said you're old yeah uh, yeah. But wow, Wow, in certain it. terms
0: I'm Sorry is a Lemonata Media original the show is produced by Alex McCohen supervising producer is Chrissy Pease our executive producers are Stephanie Whittles-Wax and Jessica Cordova-Kramer our mix is by Kat Yor and theme music was composed by Xander Singh if you like this show, please rate and review and please don't cancel us. You can find out more about our show at Lemonada Media on all social platforms or follow us on Instagram at I'm sorry underscore podcast. We'll be back next week. And until then, be nice, play fair and always say I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Feminast Erin Gibson. And I'm Homosexual Brian Safi. And we're the co-hosts of the Attitudes Podcast. Where we talk about LGBT plus issues, gender issues, and pop culture. Probably with much less respect than they deserve. Look, it's a wild world, and we want to help you laugh at it. Plus, we discuss everything going on in our lives. Like what do you do when your husband accidentally starts a fire in a dumpster? And the best armpit slapping techniques to get rid of the bags under your eyes. Thanks for the advice, Mom. And of course, how to spin a wig around to achieve a brand new look. Ah, uh, stunning. So if you're a fan of high-heel shoe chairs or have a crippling fear of hot air balloons, but also believe in social justice, then this show's for you. Listen to Attitudes anywhere you get your podcasts.
1: Hey friends, it's Megan Trainer. And her
3: big bro, Ryan Trainer. And her husband, Daryl Sabara.
1: Each week on our podcast, Working On It, we share behind-the-scenes stories and bring you into our hilarious and heartfelt conversations, and sometimes with amazing guests.
0: We tackle everything from navigating Hollywood to mental
2: health, to Megan becoming a mother, Daryl becoming a father, and so much more.
1: We'll get into the nitty-gritty of our lives and leave no detail behind. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new.
3: Listen to new episodes out every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts.